What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The kissing is hilarious. I do, I mean... What is going on with his lips? I don't... (laughs) I don't know. I Listen, I think about this guy a lot. Welcome to the My Prince Story podcast, where we talk about your Prince story. I'm your host, Dana Marshall. On the third anniversary of the passing of Prince, I sat down with Casey St. Ange. She's a TV writer, producer, and amazing person. Side note, we're sitting outside a cute little cafe in Los Angeles. I hope you don't mind the sounds of children, dogs, and airplanes, because there's lots of them. Here's my conversation with Prince fam, Casey St. Ange. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast, by the way. Casey St. Ange is with us. You have quite a history in the entertainment industry already, because you started out as just a child working for Letterman, right? I I was very young, yes. It was my first job uh, after college. I was David Letterman's assistant for a number of years when his CBS show first started. And then I went on to become a writer for Rosie O'Donnell on the first Rosie O'Donnell show for six years. And then ever since then, I've just been a TV writer and producer and showrunner. And right now I'm working with Busy Phillips on a show called Busy Tonight on E! Which we get to go to a taping of on Monday. I'm so excited. Now, not only does your entertainment thing have a great history, but also your love of Prince. You've been a Prince fan for a long time, right? Yeah, since I was like seven years old. Before we get into the fact that you have been face-to-face with the Purple Yoda, which has me very jealous, uh, how did that start out? When did the first time that Prince became a part of your consciousness happen? I remember the day I used to hang out with my aunts on Saturdays at my grandmother's house. They were seven and eight years older than me, so they were teenagers. And I was a kid and we would watch American Bandstand. This young man showed up on television and sang this song and I was just mesmerized. So so it was his I Want to Be Your Lover performance where he stopped speaking during the interview. Yes. Which, I mean, I was seven. So, like, I know a lot of people, he gets, like, a little rap for that. But I was seven. So I thought that that was a perfectly eloquent interview. And that was actually a moment that changed his life. After his friends made fun of him for how he handled that interview, he changed how he approached everything. As far as you working for Letterman and Rosie, it just so happens that Prince was a guest on both of those shows while you were with those shows. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I know that, you know, Prince is probably very famous for being an Arsenio guest and a Jay Leno guest and an Ellen DeGeneres guest. When I was at Rosie, our show was before Ellen, before the days of Ellen. Yeah, and when I was at Letterman, he came on. It was when he he had just changed his name to The Symbol, and so he came and did a little cold open with Dave, which I thought was very genial of him, that had a little joke about that name change, and then he performed Dolphin and simulated shooting himself on stage, and uh, I remember Dave being like, is that guy okay? Now, did you hear the story behind why he did the suicide thing at the end of that song? Um, I just assumed it was because he didn't want to chat with Dave. 
That's it. The keyboard player, Morris Hayes, said that the reason why he did that, he found out that Dave was going to call him over after the performance. So he changed up the whole end of the song to do a fake suicide and be dragged off the stage. That's that's reasonable. <laughs> that seems reasonable. And it was memorable. It was yeah. great. My memory of Prince being on Rosie is how Rosie kept calling him Taff Cap and Prince just kept looking at her with disdain. When it, when, do you remember that? I really, I remember it so clearly because I remember that, you know, here's the thing about Rosie is she always really wore her heart on her sleeve and she wasn't too cool for school ever. And she was a really big fan. And I remember her being like, you know, you have to like remember back to that time and how much how beloved Prince was and then how mysterious everyone thought he was when he did that name change and like it was something that like now we can kind of wrap our heads around it I think a little better but at the time I think a lot of people and especially a lot of people in showbiz were like what is this guy up to like you know and I think that she was like a little nervous and a little intimidated and she wanted to try to be funny but also be respectful and that's difficult when you can't you know even really say someone's name I remember she said people People are calling you the artist formerly known as Prince Taff Cap. Do you mind if I call you Taffy? And <laughs> and he was like, you know, you know what I'm gonna call you if you call me that. I'm gonna call you good night or something right, like right, that you yeah. know I think she was really nervous and also considering like who she is and who he was at the time and things that she'd probably heard about him she was she probably nervous you know that's as a viewer that was one of my favorite things about that interview knowing that she was like really tight with Madonna yet was still she was visibly nervous during the Prince interview that made me like her even more because I felt like she was human like me we see people on TV all the time no matter what people say oh they're just people you don't feel that way as a viewer, but that moment I felt like even though she's tight with Madonna while Prince is around, she feels a little on edge, which we I would act like an idiot if Prince is around. <laughs> now, what was the, the spitting thing? So at the beginning of the Letterman show, it does that cold open. I believe it's Paul, Dave, and Prince. And so you were right there for that, right? Yeah, because I was one of Dave's assistants. So I was kind of like his bag man, you know, like always there when he's shooting something, always within arm's reach in case he needed anything or needed me to get anyone for him. So that cold open, the setup was that Paul Schaefer was chatting with Prince. Dave comes in and he's like, oh, Dave, this is the artist formerly known as Prince. And then he's like, and this, and referring to Dave saying, this is the artist formerly known as Pinhead. And then Dave did like a spit take of water. So the closeness <laughs> that I was enjoying is that like, like some drops of water got spit on me <laughs> in my direction. Prince was like, you got water on her to Dave and Dave was like, she's all right. And I was like, I'm all right. Prince acknowledged you, and that's all that matters in this story to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess I know that, like, at the time, I was so young, and I was always trying to be, like, so professional. And then also, like, in particular, especially with Dave, I never wanted to let on when I thought someone was a big deal because he, you know, he would tease you about it or whatever. You know, I just, I I wanted to be like super professional. So I know for a fact that I was trying so super hard not to betray how much I was freaking out at that second. But I'm sure by doing that, I was totally letting on how much I was freaking on at that second. If I was in front of Prince... I would be in jail. There's there's no way. Have you seen Prince in concert? No, you know, I never did. I mean, you got to see the two performances live 
that kind of counts. Yeah, I mean, I just grew up without a great deal of money. Concerts were pretty inaccessible. I remember my good friend's dad won a couple tickets to the Purple Rain concert through like a radio contest. And we were so excited. My friend and I were like, is he going to take your mom? Or like, he knows that we love Prince. Is he going to like give them to us? And like, they're going to take us to the concert. And um, so we're really trying to be like on our best behavior to get these tickets. And ultimately, like he wound up selling them, I think, because needed like extra money. So that's like the kind of, you know, that's the neighborhood I was growing up in. So I remember the night of that concert where uh, the Purple Rain concert was at the Worcester Centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts. And we just like laid on my friend's bed like morose, like we we could have been there. Oh, and what a show that would have (laughs) been. Let's talk about a little bit of the Prince music that really impacted you. Is there a specific song or album that is just the one for you? No. There was uh, just this thing going around Twitter where people were like, name your top five songs. And and I really gave it the old college try. It changes every day. What's so... I mean, I know... I can identify, like, when I was seven, I know what hooked me. He performed I Want to Be Your Lover. And that was um, something that, like... A seven-year-old shouldn't even, you know, shouldn't even be paying attention to that. But, like, to be, like, real talk, you know, like, I had a rough little life. And there was something about that song that was just like, oh, like, this boy is talking about wanting to be with a girl. And not, he's not taking anything from her. He's offering and asking, like, can we be together? And so asking was a thing that I wasn't really familiar with, sadly. And um, so, like, that's been a that's been an important theme in Prince's music for me is the concept of consent, which I think is something that probably has a lot to do with why, uh, I don't know how many women identify with it or how many people. I guess a lot of people, but I think it's something that you just, in the back of your mind, you recognize as they in a number of songs that he's like inviting you to have fun and not commanding or ordering you to do anything. It's worth noting while editing this, I feel like Casey was making a very important and emotional point about consent and abuse. And for some reason, I I cruised right past it. And then in typical man fashion, I decide to add my point to it. It feels uncomfortable. Wanted to interrupt and say sorry about that. And if I can add to your point about being inclusive and about taking care of someone, not taking from someone, like morning papers might be a good example of that. So are you more of an old school prince talking like late 70s, early 80s? Or I know it's hard to ask these questions. I go back and forth myself. I find myself all over Love Sexy for a week. Then I'm on the Symbol album. That seems to be a go-to for me a lot. The Gold Experience. Then I'll go back to like early 80s. Is there a specific time period for you? Again, these questions are impossible. (laughs) The great that what's so great is like even when super intense fans are talking about, well, like, what's the one song that you dislike? I'm like, I can find something to like about truly any any song out there, honestly. So, you know, so I have like very specific memories tied to Purple Rain. I remember my dad taking me to see that movie on a visitation and just how I like wanted to die of embarrassment, like seeing that movie with my dad, but I was so happy to be there. And I remember thinking like that last, you know, that last shot of the movie, what is my dad going to turn to me and say about this really awkward movie that we just watched together and I remember my dad was a huge rock and roll snob turned to me and was like that kid is so talented thank you for telling me about him oh that's awesome which is so cool and I was like woo thank you for not mentioning all that sexy sex stuff 
that we just watched together. I hate hearing people critique Prince in a negative manner on Prince podcast, especially since they're Prince lovers. It drives me nuts. However, do you find every kiss scene he's done in movies to be really awkward? Be honest. The kissing is hilarious. I do. I mean. What is going on with his lips? I don't. I don't know. I Listen, I think about this guy a lot. I really try to, like, analyze everything. And I actually think he was a really gifted visual artist, you know, beside all his musical talent. I think he had great comic timing. And I think that he had pretty amazing ideas for stories for these movies that he made. I love Under the Cherry Moon. Oh, I, I, just, I just watched that again, uh, what, less than a week ago. And I was in love with it all over again. He was so freaking funny and just on. Yeah, it was so funny and so, like, I mean, a helicopter we got. Um, We're famous. Paparazzi is everywhere. Um, so, you know, so I think he's, a, like, a really talented actor, but I think he also, like, clearly was a fan of old black and white movies. I, I don't know if... That was like his cinematic kissing. I don't know. I don't know. That's what I try to tell myself is he's purposely trying to just screen kiss and not really kiss. Graffiti Bridge, Under the Cherry Moon, Purple Rain, all three. He did this thing with his lips where I just thought, I can't watch what's happening. That's out of everything he's done in his whole career. That's it. That's the one thing where I'm like, it's cringeworthy a little bit. Here's a couple things that I can tell you from my perspective as someone who does what I do, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I can offer a little insight. First is that we know that he was, like, self-conscious about, like, his teeth. Like, he felt like his teeth were weird sometimes. He would say that. Be really careful about how they looked in photographs. So there's that. And then the second thing is, it's awkward for any actor to kiss anyone on camera. It's embarrassing. And especially if you don't do it a great deal, it's embarrassing. And so a lot of actors, like, you know, especially younger actors, which he was really young when he made Purple Rain, they spend a lot of time like, trying to warm up with their with their co-star and just like sort of going for it. Just on my show the other night, this actor Chad Michael Murray was telling this story about how he had to give Lindsay Lohan her first kiss in the Freaky Friday movie and she was terrified and it was so weird. And so then like Jamie Lee Curtis, who played the mom in that movie, took them aside and, and was like, okay, just like kiss each other. Like, let's just get it over with. Let's kiss each other. And he was like, okay, whatever. And then Lindsay was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm too, I'm nervous. And then so, according to him, Jamie Lee Curtis just grabbed him and kissed him to show her how easy it would be. And he was like, you know, oh my God, I'm kissing Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't know how to feel about this story. I am both creeped out and like I'm into it like there's a I have a lot of conflicting <laughs> feelings right now let's be clear I want to be clearer than Chad Michael Murray was he was 22 years old right, yeah, and yeah. he was into it according to him so I guess it wasn't so bad but then busy shared a story about how on this show Dawson's Creek that she was uh she was on as as a young woman she had her first on-screen kiss and she was very nervous about it and she really she went for it she said and just like really gathered up her courage and went for it and then someone came out from behind the camera I don't know if it was the director or whatever and said it actually looks very porny so 
you have to like dial it back. And she was like, that's just how I kiss. I mean, that does give me a different perspective. Maybe he was trying to make sure it didn't look. Prince had so much of a, let's call it a porny presence sometimes. Yes. So maybe he was just trying to dial it back. That makes sense. Yeah, who knows? Or he was like trying to make it. Here's what I'll say. How many of us actually know what we look like kissing? And before we have too much fun at Prince's expense over what he looked like kissing, maybe we should videotape ourselves and see. Point taken and not going to happen. <laughs> Because we could all look insane. I don't know, but it did look funny, and I do laugh at it. I'm sorry. I think for someone like, you know, we love Prince so much, we almost have to find something that just makes him a little more little more human, because otherwise we just love everything about him, and that makes us creepy, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen, would I want to... Would you want to have a creepy kiss with Prince? That's the question. Like, would you want to have that weird, creepy kiss with Prince... I don't know. It's a good question. It's a question for the ages, but it is a little funny. It just reminds me of like old timey movie kissing. Well, he definitely tried to go that route when it came to Under the Cherry Moon. He wanted it to have that old look. But even Graffiti Bridge, even though it was modern time, it was kind of MGM musical-esque the way the set and everything was. It's easier to pick a favorite Prince movie than it is a Prince song or album. Which is your favorite movie? That, okay, well... Maybe it's not. Are we counting Sign of the Times? Are we... Yeah, we'll count Sign of the Times. Um, still. <laughs> well, here's what I'll say. Graffiti Bridge is in fourth place for me, just because I watch it the least frequently. Right. But um, Purple Rain, I think, like, my, my husband and I usually watch it every night in May. And then in June, we watch Under the Cherry Moon every night and then usually watch Sign of the Times every night in December. I don't know why. Um, Your husband is fantastic. He's the best. Very tolerant entire family. He enjoys it. He enjoys it. He enjoys how much I enjoy it. And then it gives us tons to talk about because he's a huge music lover and musician. So that's a cool thing for us to talk about. I guess. I don't know. Purple Rain's a good movie. Yeah. I think, like, you know, if we're talking about, like, well, everybody loves Purple Rain, then I guess it's, like, a little bit of a badge of honor to be like, oh, by the way, I love Under the Cherry Moon, too, and, like, I got it, and, like, a lot of people didn't get it. If I'm picking my favorite Prince movie, I'm not picking what I think is the best made movie. Purple Rain, hands down, I think, wins. Like, that's the best made movie. But the movie that, if I have to choose one Prince movie, what movie I'm gonna, am I gonna watch more than all the others? Like, for me, it's gonna be Under the Cherry Moon, just because I think it's hilarious. It's campy in some places. It takes away from it being a real masterpiece of a movie like Purple Rain is, but just some of the back and forth between Prince and Jerome just makes my life. I can quote that movie all day. It's it's embarrassing. Well, when you think about it, like I think the camp was intentional and I oh, think yeah. that's a little bit where people thought that he was like being unintentionally funny when I think in truth he was being very intentionally funny. He had a great sense of humor and I think that camp was intentional and they were trying to like do an homage to movies of the past. He was doing a thing where he was taking color and race out of it, which I thought was interesting. There's only one mention of race in there, and that's when the chocolate butterscotch. 
My brother? No officer. So, except for that one moment. Two mentions of race. Okay. He's with her in the car, and then he says, and oh. then you turn black. Yes. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite. How did I forget that? For me, it's under the cherry moon. You're still, you're, it's no shame in saying Purple Rain. That, that, no, that would no, be I would say, I would say that I, I probably, I have a huge amount of respect for under the cherry moon because he did everything himself. People were brought in to help him and he wound up, you know, sort of just taking the helm and... Cutting the director in the middle of the movie. Yeah, which, you know, isn't great, but people always say if you want something done right, do it yourself. That's not always the case, particularly in art, but if you want something done the way you want it done, do it yourself. And think about since you've been in this industry for so long, when you consider I want to say Prince was mid-20s when he did Purple Rain. Wendy had just joined the revolution like nine months before the movie. Fact check. We were actually pretty close on this. Prince was 25 to 26 years old during the filming of the movie Purple Rain. Wendy, only 19. And she'd only been with the band Prince and Revolution for three months at that point. And she was a kid. Most of the people in this movie had never been in anything. Can you imagine? I mean, I think of what I was doing at 2021 or even 25. The fact that I was getting my bills paid is a freaking miracle, right? Or just just the fact that I was functioning correctly without the help of parental guidance. And here they are making one of the biggest movies of our time. It's won every award it could win. It's got an Oscar, it's got a Grammy, and it's... I I dare anyone to give me a better soundtrack. Sorry. I mean, there's not a better soundtrack to a movie. Fact check, we were pretty close on this again. Purple Rain did, in fact, win the Oscar. Best Music Original Song Score. Also, Grammy for Best Album of Instrumental Score Written for a Motion Picture or Television Special. But it also won the Brit for Best Soundtrack and Image Award for Outstanding Actor in a Motion Picture for, of course, Prince. To do all of this at that age and to do it so well is kind of shocking, though, right? I think that's one of the things I appreciate so much about him is because, like, I say it all the time about young people that work in the entertainment industry. If they don't know any better, they can do anything. Oh, that's a good point. They're not jaded. They're not shutting themselves down. Yeah. If birds could understand language and we spent a lot of time being like, hey, you can't fly, maybe they wouldn't be able to fly. But that's that's kind of the thing with him. Like, he had to believe he could do anything, yeah. you know? And he had overcome so much, you know, already, like, in his young life. Like, why wouldn't you think, yeah, yeah, I can make a movie. Like, it doesn't take a genius to make a movie. But he was a genius. As far as Prince impacting your life, we talked a little bit about the kind of like this inclusion and consent. I love hip-hop and rap music, but I always hate it when they tell me what to do in rap songs. Clap your hands. I don't want to clap my hands right now. (laughs) You're not my real dad. Can you point to any things that have impacted your life as far as Prince goes that may have actually changed the direction of your life? Well, yeah, for sure. The reason why I'm in L.A. right now is probably, like, when you come down to it, can kind of chalk it up to Prince because I was in a job for a long time at a show in New York, and I was perfectly happy there, you know, and I probably could have stayed there perfectly happy forever. But then somebody came to me and said, I have this new show that's happening in Los Angeles, and, you know, it's a new adventure. The plus side is, like, you'd be working with all these really cool people who you've never worked with before. The negative 
negative side is like it's a risk you know it's any new show is like a big risk but it'd be like a cool adventure and I was like you know I, I have to think about it because that is a huge change and the time that I thought about it was when I was in Minneapolis for celebration last year and really just being like locked in Paisley Park for hours every day with this life-size video of Prince talking about how you can make your dreams real and how you can't let anyone dictate to you what your story is and how you have to create your own road and you know just just example after example of this guy being like you can do what you want and you're gonna be okay and also kind of like you know having having this history of like a, a lot of successes but a lot of things that probably didn't hit in a way that people would consider a success but then when you take the whole of his career and his whole history you know really a thing that I I would consider a failure so that was what I was kind of thinking when I picked up the phone and was like yeah I'm gonna do this I'm gonna like leave this place and like go across the country and try this new adventure yeah so I mean was I brainwashed by, by you know, being sort of inside Paisley Park for hours on end every day for a few days. Maybe, but like in a way that I'm grateful for. You sure you don't regret it? It doesn't look like you're having any fun at all doing the Busy Phillips show. Uh, busy tonight. It's really fun. It's super fun. We're, I'm an executive producer. Busy's an executive producer. Tina Fey is an executive producer. It's really cool. It's a small show. Again, it's a risk. It's on a you know a small network, and um, and it's hard. It's an uphill climb for for a woman to have a show in late night. But that being said, like if I went tomorrow and they were like, oh by the way, this is over. I would not regret it. I, I, by the way, I enjoy the show. We're cheap and we don't have cable, so we had to find creative ways to find it. But then we binge-watched it, and, yeah, we dug it a lot. And not to mention, I stalk you on, on uh, Twitter all the time, so when you share some of those clips, like when you and Busy taught me what the real meaning is behind the song, I Don't Want to Wait by Paula Cole, would have gone through my whole life not knowing that. You can watch the video clip that we're talking about right now. There's a link in the show notes. The fact that you guys have a karaoke mic on set. Why does that exist, by the way? That is, okay, true behind-the-scenes goss. I believe Busy's stylist, Erica Cloud, who's amazing, she is also Casey Musgrave's stylist, and so she splits her time between working with Busy and working with Casey, and I believe that's a Casey Musgrave's-branded karaoke microphone that we have backstage. Because that's, that's the first thing I got out of that when you shared that. it's uh, there, You guys were having technical issues. So in the meantime, Busy entertained the audience with the karaoke mic. And then she would sing a line to the song, I Don't Want to Wait, which was, for those of you that don't know, the theme song behind Dawson's Creek, which she was on. And, uh, and then explaining what each line meant, because a lot of people like myself had no idea. It's like a civil war or something, right? Yeah, or, like, yeah war. It's about war and death. <laughs> yeah. It's a touching song that has nothing to do with Dawson's Creek, ladies and gentlemen. To wrap things up, number one, thank you so much. I am so excited to be able to talk to you. I, I've wanted to do this for a long time, so thank you. My pleasure. When it comes to your Prince experience, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to share? Because we all have Prince all deep inside us, so I'm sure I haven't hit everything. Um, I'm trying to think. No, I'm just really grateful for all of the 
friends that I I had many friendships that were sort of based on loving Prince um, throughout my life and I think that you know since we lost him those friendships have gotten stronger and caused me to like touch base with people that I hadn't spoken to in a long time and then I have like sort of newer friendships that are just based you know just people that I know such as yourself because you know we've sort of like collected this community around people that were like hurting in the wake of his loss and sort of holding each other up and yeah I had like like one of my favorite things uh some of my most favorite friends are are Prince Prince fams and uh one of my favorite things is that the first time I visited Paisley Park I went to like we got tickets for a dance party for a nighttime dance party which you know is like a smaller group than who's touring Paisley Park during the day and so we're excited that we're able to get tickets for this and so we went to the club and there were these big big round tables um in the club and so I was with myself my husband my friend Meredith Meredith's foot was broken so she was sitting down my husband's not much of a dancer and then you know there were but there were like five other chairs at our table other people were sitting there and then this one woman was like do you mind if I sit here and she was sitting by she had come by herself and we were like no of course sit with us and then I was like well I'm just gonna get up and dance by myself because whatever and she was like I'll dance with you so I was dancing with this woman and then as we were like dancing out on the floor we realized that we had been like Instagram friends for years you know <laughs> because she was like oh it's fun dancing with you I'm Violet and I was like Violet it's me oh my God, <laughs> which is so nice and that's such a nice you know like the the last time I went for celebration you know you get on this like shuttle bus and then you know someone's coming up to you and being like hey it's me Luther from Belgium you know and my husband's like it's like your high school reunion yeah. <laughs> for real like you know all these people you know so that is that's wonderful that's like you know beyond the music which I enjoy every day and beyond all of the daydreams which I've enjoyed almost my entire life I have all these friendships which are very real how many gifts can one person give so many people and I feel like that's what we all wish social media was because social media has become so negative where people just make other people angry. I feel the same way. Like, that's how you and I, at some point, were following each other on Twitter, I think, and we were having a Prince conversation. And some, I think I mentioned to you that my second favorite artist of all time is Freddy Johnston. And you're like, oh my God, I love him. Yes, I love Freddy. And I thought, oh my God, did we just become best friends? <laughs> I love Freddy. Freddy was a guest on Letterman. Um, that was where I first discovered him. And then I, you know, at the time I was living in Brooklyn. And so he would always be playing around and and we'd go out and see him. But yeah, like, you know, this perfect world is, it's amazing. I love me some Freedy. Now, not all Prince fans will love him because it's not, you know, it's not Prince music necessarily. It's more of a folky thing. But if you're into singer-songwriter stuff, I thought I was the only person that was just like nuts over Freddie Johnston. And every once in a while on Twitter, I find another person that loves Prince and loves Freddie. And I get so excited. Yeah. He lives here in L.A. now. He's doing a show tomorrow night we're going to, by the oh, way. Yeah. That that was that was how you and I got hooked up and I have made probably lifelong friends after the passing of Prince due to mainly Twitter. 
So I guess that's a positive thing for social media. Not a lot of positive things for social media these days. I mean, it can be rough. It can be so rough out there. And I want to assume everyone's like doing their best. But, you know, Prince was so great on Twitter and um, a place where I never tweeted him because I just, again, like, you know, we're talking about how we can barely handle looking at someone that we love. Like I could not I could not even handle knowing that he was like reading my words in a tweet. So I never tweeted him. Um, But other people did. And he was just so great with them and so funny, his his usual funny self. He loved a meme. And so I enjoyed every moment of that from afar, quietly. Yeah, I, I feel like you and I would be the same way. I, we talked about this on a previous podcast episode that uh, the end of Prince's appearance on New Girl after that weird night at Prince's place. And then one of the guys says, so where do we go from here? Do we just go to work on Monday? Like, like life is different now that you've met Prince. I feel like that's I would I would have to stay home for a little while and just recover. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's well, that's showbiz, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of moments where you're like, is this real? And then you're like, oh, none. I guess none of it's real, yeah. which is also sort of um, a lesson that we can take from Prince. Like everything you think is real. And, you know, everything is kind of unreal. And, you know, so we're all just existing in this world of our own creation, which is... I think you just wrote a song. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a a good and inspiring thing to keep in mind, too. How long it took me to recover from standing in the same room with him. I'm sure it was a lot. I'm sure... I call him Prince drunk. Like, I went to see him at a concert, then an after party after that, and was really close to him. And I, it took me time to recover. I didn't even listen to Prince for a couple of days. I just, I was, I was Prince drunk. I was done for a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense yeah. that you're just like feeling like this energy that you have to like recover from. Yeah. He would, he would respect that. I, I feel like, so. yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Casey. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Get show notes, pictures, and more info on my Prince story at myprincepodcast.com. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at My Prince Podcast. My Prince Story is recorded in my cozy Prince basement in Kalamazoo, Michigan. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.